Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Joining us once again to continue with our debt ceiling coverage, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, thank you for joining us here on the podcast to keep our listeners informed on the latest. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be back with you, and I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. And I know getting back to around that time frame, we last spoke about a week ago. It was Friday, May 26th. And fast forward to the weekend, a deal was reached. A debt ceiling deal between President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy in principle. So before we get into where the process stands today, because I know there is more to the process to update our listeners on, can you begin by summarizing the key parameters of the agreement? Yeah, so uh, as this came together, it it takes the form of what we have been generally talking about the past few weeks. Um, You know, the main component of this bill is a limitation on federal spending. Now, not all federal spending, discretionary spending. So, you know, you take out uh, mandatory spending, which is, you know, Social Security, Medicare, um, and a few other programs. So we're talking about capping spending uh, for the next uh, two fiscal years on, you know, defense and non-defense. You know, non-defense would be things that, you know, like the Department of Commerce, Department of Treasury uh, undertake. Um, and Veterans Affairs is also kind of protected, we'll say, uh, in this as well. You know, uh, there was also a rescission of uh, just under $30 billion of unspent COVID funding, um, a small pullback, uh, rescinding about $1.5 billion uh, that was provided for increased uh, enhanced uh, IRS enforcement funding through the Democrats Inflation Reduction Act uh, that was passed into law last year. There's some interesting things about statutory pay go, um, trying to um, force the administration's hand about when they uh, promulgate new regulations that may cost uh, money and try and have them offset that. Um, and, you know, also there's some worker requirements for you know, uh, welfare and uh, food stamps as well. And then the last piece, um, which, you know, was actually pretty bipartisan, is permitting reform. So the idea here being, you know, uh, permitting uh, energy projects takes way too long to the point where uh, projects, you know, uh, sometimes are no longer viable because the technology is outdated or, you know, it's become too costly over time. So this would try and get projects online quicker, which in theory, you know, would generate more economic activity and more revenue for the federal government. And then, of course, what was this all about was about increasing the debt limit. So this bill suspends the debt limit through January 1st, 2025. Um, but at that time, you know, you'll use extraordinary measures, which we've been using the past few months. Uh, so we'll probably be at this um Again, you know, in about two years' time, um, and, you know, depending on the outcome of the election, it could be a, um, a big to-do like this uh, was the past few weeks, or, you know, maybe it's a, a partisan affair where they, you know, take care of it expeditiously and, and you don't have this uh, food fight. So from the sounds of it, the agreement did not come without its share of controversies and, of course, compromises. So can you speak a bit, Shane, to what the reception 
of the deal has consisted of across Washington. That's a great way to think about it, whereas, you know, at this time you have the far right upset about it and the far left upset about it. The far right is upset because, you know, um, they feel like too much was given in uh, to increase the debt ceiling. They wanted even more uh, spending reductions. And they just don't feel the, that they, you know, won in negotiations. The far left, the same thing. They don't feel like they won in negotiations. They do not support um, the spending reductions, and they feel like they're handicapping their ability to uh, provide funding to the uh, programs and departments they feel need appropriate levels of funding. So, you know, there, but there is this kind of saying in D.C. of if the far right and the far left are both upset and the middle you know, the road is is pleased with this deal. Maybe maybe it's the right deal. Um, so I, I think overall the reception is well uh, for this bill has been well received. You know, I think most um, people in D.C. see this as, you know, progress, you know, and may recognize that in some areas it went too far or, or in other areas it didn't go far enough. But you know, this is the the kind of price of legislating and getting a deal done. And so I think, you know, you're going to have some hard feelings on both the hard right and hard left. Uh, but uh, most uh, in D.C. are ready to move on to, you know, the next issue at hand. OK, so fast forward to today. We did have some key developments overnight in the House, which is a positive. Though, where do we stand as of this morning and what will you be watching out for over the next few days? That's right. Yeah. So last night, the House uh, passed this uh, package and it was a pretty overwhelming vote. I mean, it was over 300 yes votes and I think 117 no votes. And that goes to kind of my point about the about the middle of this uh, of, of D.C. really recognizing that this bill is the right path forward. Um, you know, and that sends a strong signal to, to the Senate. You know, it, it makes some of them feel a little bit more comfortable supporting it, seeing that, you know, um, it got such a resounding yes vote. You know, roughly 75 percent of the 435 members of the House supported it. So I think, you know, the best case, and what we have to keep in mind is that the Senate is different from the House in their procedures. So, you know, while the House took uh, time to allow their members to read the bill before they actually passed it, you know, once they took it up, it was a pretty quick process. The Senate, you know, um, with their procedures, it's a little bit slower. You know, I think the very best case scenario is that the Senate passes it uh, tomorrow, Friday evening, more likely is this goes into the weekend and possibly Monday. So, you know, keeping in mind that Monday is the uh, uh, projected deadline, which by the debt ceiling has to be increased or else we default, the Senate has that in mind. And I think that they're likely to meet that. Um, so I think you have a few senators on the hardcore right who want amendments about, you know, uh, spending, as we talked about, and you know, maybe to go after some of the mandatory spending on Social Security and Medicare, where on the far left, you have, you know, senators who are upset about some of the permitting reform. And I know there's one amendment possible about to pull back on some of that permitting reform. So, you know, I, I think this will play out, but I, I expect by Monday this will be resolved, hopefully sooner. I think um, what I'm watching for is for um to see what senators come out for and oppose in, in the next 24 hours. I think, I think we have a good handle that this will be bipartisan and get the sufficient uh, support, but I think it's important um, 
for those who want to uh, prolong the process to see that, you know, the, the, the fate is, is set here, that this is going to pass. And so, you know, you allow them to have their amendment and then hopefully they can move on quickly rather than trying to keep stalling the process. So I think that's what we're kind of watching to see is where people fall and, you know, are they just kind of um, resigned to or the inevitable or are they going to keep stalling this out and we're still, you know, watching this until Sunday or Monday. Overall, it does sound like we're in a much better place today relative to where we were a week ago, as you pointed out, Shane. Much else still has to unfold over the next few days, though it sounds like we're moving closer and closer towards a resolution. We'll see where we are come Sunday and Monday, and we'll, of course, keep our listeners informed when we connect again next week though shane thank you again for dropping by today keeping us updated on the latest as it relates to the debt ceiling and looking forward to picking back with our conversation again soon absolutely thank you dan have yourself a great weekend let's go Matt. <laughs> absolutely thank you shane have a great weekend as well and again today we have been joined by shane lieberman federal affairs manager with the ubs u.s office of public policy in washington dc as has been mentioned U.S. Office of Public Policy is keeping our listeners, our clients informed on the latest as it pertains to the debt ceiling with weekly updates. So be sure to check out the latest Washington Weekly publication, which is available up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 